words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable, un, uh, acceptable, acceptable unto you, our Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today we'll be diving into the story of Jesus walking on water and seeing what it tells us about Jesus, Peter, and ourselves. We see Simon Peter who wants so badly to be a faithful disciple of Christ. Yet somehow he manages to mess things up just about every opportunity he gets. Now I don't know about you, but I most definitely fit that description. This is one of the great stories of the gospel that many of us grew up learning about in Sunday school. But to quickly recap the story, we see the disciples sailing from Bethsaida to Gennesaret while Jesus goes to pray in solitude. Now, while on the lake, a great storm rolls in, and the disciples get caught right in the middle of it. They fight that storm through the night until they see what appears to be a man walking toward them on the water. Needless to say, they are scared beyond belief. But before we get too far into the story, I think it's important that we look at the setting for this extraordinary event. It all begins at Bethsaida. Jesus and the disciples have just finished feeding the 5,000, although it was probably considerably more than just 5,000, because the 5,000 only accounts for the men. And when we account for the women and children that would have been there, it's more like eight to 10,000. So Jesus and the disciples are cleaning up after such a large meal when Jesus sees a storm off in the distance rolling in towards the lake. So he tells the disciples to get in the boat and sail to Gennesaret. Well, he stays behind and dismisses the people and goes to pray in the mountains just off the lake. And when we look at a map of the Sea of Galilee, like I hope we have here, yes, we can see that the best way to sail from Bethsaida, which is on the northeast corner, to Gennesaret, or also known today as Gennesar, on the northwestern corner, is to sail somewhat close to the shoreline in a nearly straight line across the lake. This journey is about seven and a quarter miles long. And it only takes about an hour to make it all the way across if you have the wind behind you. If you don't have the wind behind you, though, and you're stuck rowing, it's going to take at least two hours. Now, we know from Scripture that the disciples were battling against a strong headwind that was blowing against them. So they certainly would have been rowing and fighting their way through the wind. Now, we have a short video clip here. Um, of what it looks like when there is a windstorm on the Sea of Galilee. Apparently these happen quite frequently. Now I am by no means an expert when it comes to boating or sailing. But I do know that when you see rain pouring down and lightning striking, you hightail it as fast as you can, and you get off of that water. I imagine the disciples fighting and struggling as hard as they could, hoping beyond hope just to make it to the other side. Well, they didn't make it to Gennesaret as planned. Instead, the storm 
dragged them right to the deepest part of the lake. So needless to say, they were completely and totally terrified. And the obvious reason for being so scared is that they're stuck in the deepest part of the lake and this storm is raging on around them. And that's a good reason to be scared. But their fear was rooted in something much, much deeper. It's important to understand that the disciples didn't really know just how deep the lake actually was. But the common belief in the time was that it was so deep that it went all the way down to the underworld. They called it the abyss, which literally means the bottomless pit. It was the common belief in the day that at the bottom of the lake there was a portal that demons and ghosts could come and go through. So for all the disciples knew, there was about to be a demon popping up out of the water coming to get them. Talk about terrifying. They were absolutely certain that before the night was over, they would all die. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, let's turn our attention to Scripture. Our Scripture this morning is Matthew 14, verses 22 to 33. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified saying, it is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So now it's the middle of the night. The storm is raging on. The disciples are stuck right on top of the abyss. And now there's what appears to be a spirit walking right toward them. The disciples were so scared that Scripture tells us they yelled, It's a ghost! And that they were so frightened that they screamed. But that's when Jesus speaks and says, be encouraged, it's me. Don't be afraid. Man, I just love that. Be encouraged, it's me. Don't be afraid. Jesus meets them right where they are. Even in the middle of the storm, Jesus comes to them and says, it's okay. I'm here. I've got you. 
we ask ourselves what this means in our own lives. And what it means is that Jesus meets us right where we are, even in the midst of our own storms. We know the storms of life will come. We live in a broken world where pain and suffering and sin are real. Yes, we know the storms of life will come. Some of us struggle with addiction, some with illness, some with broken relationships. We all know what it feels like to be trapped in the middle of a storm that we have no control over. Battered by the waves, we feel like there's no way out. Like we're stuck in our own boat and we will certainly drown. Oh, but that's where Jesus comes in. Jesus still walks on water for us. Jesus comes to us and says, it's okay. I'm here. I've got you. In my own life, I've seen my share of storms. One of the hardest things I've ever experienced was the loss of our unborn child a few years ago. We wanted so badly to be, meet our baby. It was so hard to brave that storm. It was like I was lost at sea, the waves rising higher and higher, struggling to maintain faith, feeling like I was on the verge of drowning. Everything that I had learned about God through a lifetime spent in church told me that God is good and that God loves me. But in that moment, I could not feel God's goodness or God's love. For the first time in my life, I found myself doubting God and questioning whether God even loves me at all. I asked myself, why is God doing this to me and my family? Why do I feel so abandoned? It was so hard going on with life as usual after such a loss. And it all came to a head the Sunday after we had lost our baby. As many of you know, it's my job to lead the worship at 11 o'clock here at Desert Spring. And so we were in worship, and we were singing the bridge of one of our songs, and I found myself unable to even speak the words in this song. So I turned my back to the congregation and the tears started flowing. I was so hurt that I couldn't even fake it anymore. You know, it's important to remember that we're human. It's okay to have doubts. It's okay to have questions. For me, it was the answers to my questions that saved me from my doubt and brought me back to faith. I asked why is God doing this to me and my family, and why do I feel so abandoned? And the answer was that God did not do this to me and my family. God would never take my child from me because God loves me. I have never and will never be abandoned by God. I know now that my baby is in God's arms, safe and loved. Yes, Jesus was with me through it all. 
working through my family and my church community, helping me to understand just how loved I really am. Yeah, Jesus saved me from drowning. Jesus doesn't make our storms go away. We still live with our brokenness. We still live with our pain. The addiction isn't gone. The cancer is still there. Your relationships are still broken. But Jesus is there in the boat with us, guiding us, comforting us to weather the storm. And praise God for that. Praise God for being with us through even the toughest of trials that we go through in our lives, offering us peace and comfort to weather the storm. Returning to Scripture, we see Jesus walking across the waves to the disciples, saying, be encouraged, it's me, don't be afraid. And that's when good old headstrong, trying so hard to be faithful, Peter stands up, and says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out to you on the water. What a strange thing to say. I mean, of all the things he could have chosen that would prove that it was Jesus coming toward them, he, chose it, he chooses, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out to you on the water. Why not, Lord, if it's you, tell us what we had for dinner last night. Or better yet, Lord, if it's you, make this storm stop. Oh, but when Peter goes for it, he really goes for it. Peter's an all-in kind of guy. And so he stands up and says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out to you on the water. Show me what you can do. Show me what I can do when I have faith in you. Take away my doubt. Make me have faith in you, Jesus. Well, when Jesus commands you to do something, you do it. And so Peter climbs up and sits on the edge of the boat, his feet dangling just above the water, his heart beating so hard he feels like it's about to burst. He takes a deep breath as the disciples watch him touch his feet down to the water, taking a moment to gain his balance as if he were an infant walking his first steps. The wind and waves rage around him as he begins to walk towards Jesus with arms outstretched, hoping with all of his being just to make it to the safety that is Jesus. But it's at that moment that a powerful gust of wind takes Peter's focus off of Jesus, and he begins to sink like a ton of bricks. Now, most of us have Never tried to walk on water, actually, before. But we all can understand how Peter felt in that moment. I remember when I was a child first learning how to swim. I started off in the shallow end with inflatable floaties on my arms. Soon I built up the courage to start jumping off of the steps into the shallow end. Soon after that, I built up the courage to jump off of the side of the pool into the shallow end. It wasn't long before I ditched the floaties, and I was thinking about jumping into the deep end. And so my dad told me that if I felt like I was ready, 
he would wait for me there in the middle of the deep end, just in case. So I got out of the pool. I walked right over to the middle of the deep end, and I got ready to jump. And then I looked down, and I realized just how deep 10 feet really is to a child. (laughs) I could feel my heart begin to race, my stomach twisting in knots. But then I looked up at my dad, and I just knew everything was going to be okay. I knew that in that moment, nothing bad could happen because he was there. Maybe for you, it's more like when you were first learning to ride a bike without training wheels. You push yourself off, you begin to pedal, you're wobbling back and forth all over the place. But soon you gain enough speed that you stop wobbling and you straighten out. The wind blowing through your hair, you feel such a sense of freedom. But then you start to think, what if I fall now? I'm going so fast. So what do you do? You clamp down on the brakes, you slam your foot down into the ground, And suddenly you're experiencing the very thing that you were so afraid of. You go flying toward the ground. Lord, save me, cried Peter. Or in the original Greek translation, Lord, rescue me. And of course, Jesus rescues Peter. He reaches down, grabs him by the arm, lifts him up out of the water, and begins to walk him back toward the boat, saying, you man of weak faith. Why did you begin to have doubts? Many of us interpret this as Jesus sternly scolding Peter. But I imagine being much less stern and more like, oh, Peter, why'd you doubt? You know I've got you. Many of us tend not to give Peter enough credit in this situation. We focus only on the fact that he lost faith and not that he had any in the first place. After all, he was the only one of the disciples that had the guts and the faith to get out of the boat. There were 11 other disciples sitting back in the boat, curled up in the fetal position, cowering in fear while Peter was busy walking on water with Jesus. The point is that We all have our own boat that we're lost out at sea in while the storm rages on. But at some point, we have got to get out of the boat. Yeah, it might be scary. But when we walk towards Jesus with arms outstretched, incredible things can happen. Chains will be broken, walls will tumble to the ground, and we are set free from everything that has ever held us back. If only we get out of the boat. We all have our own boat that we're stuck in. The waves crash in and we curl up in fear. The boat that I was stuck in, my boat, was surrounded by waves of fear of failure and self-doubt. I knew that I was called to ministry. But I was terrified at the thought of stepping out in faith. I was convinced that I could never be good enough to call myself a pastor. 
I let myself believe that I was not enough. Not enough to fulfill this calling that God had placed on my life. Well, now I'm nearly completed with the process of becoming a licensed local pastor in the United Methodist Church. So how did I get out of my boat? If I'm being completely honest about it, I can't really take all that much credit for it. I surrounded myself with people who love God and love me too. And it was them that God worked through to help me understand that God would never put a calling on my life that I am not capable of fulfilling. It was like I had Jesus, my family, and all of you standing right behind me, gently walking me towards the edge of the boat, lifting me up and sitting me on the side. It was by the grace of God and the love of the people that God put in my life that I was able to step out in faith. So I ask, what's keeping you in your boat? What is God calling you to do and what's keeping you from doing it? We all have our fears, but we don't have to pay any mind to them because Jesus is standing out there on the water, arms wide open, commanding us to come. One last thought before we close. This story was the first time that the disciples knew, I mean really knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, that Jesus is God incarnate here on earth. Before this point, the disciples believed in Jesus, but they still had their doubts. What if it's too good to be true? They had seen Jesus work many miracles before, but most of those were things that the prophets of the past had already done also. But this time was different. This time was different because this time they saw Jesus doing something that only God can do. Job 9.8 tells us that he alone stretches out the heavens and treads the waves of the sea. The disciples knew this. And so when they witnessed Jesus walking across the waves toward them, they knew that there could be no other explanation. Jesus is God with us. And so they fell to the floor, bowing before him, worshiping him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. We see God in Jesus just as the disciples did. We see Jesus do things that only God can do. We know that Jesus saves us from our own fear and our own doubt, that we might know and feel Jesus with us through all that life throws at us. And so I'd like to close today by worshiping the God that still walks with us through all of the trials of life in the way that I know best, and it's by the grace and the love and the mercy of God that I can stand before you today and sing these words. I invite you to join if you feel so led. Your name is higher, your name is greater, oh my hope is in you, your word 
unfailing, your promise unshaken. Oh, my hope is in you. Your name is higher. Your name is greater. Oh, my hope is in you. Your word unfailing, your promise unshaken. Oh, my hope is in you. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Andrew, for that great message.